excited. Um, I, I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes I like the end of a series. If anybody, series is a bunch of messages that we put together and we package it for you so that it makes sense over a long term. Sometimes I get excited for the end because I know something new is coming. Do you ever get that way? Anybody else? Um, but this is one of those, those series that we're concluding uh, called Free, and it's really what it means to be free in Christ. All right. Um, and we've been all over the board over the past. Uh, this would be the, the sixth week, right? I think our fifth week is what it is. Um, we're excited because we've been all over the board with all kinds of folks sharing. Tim Bennett, who's here with his wonderful, beautiful wife and family again today, uh, was with us a few weeks ago. Did an amazing job. Folks committed their hearts to Christ. Uh, committing to discipleship. We're excited for that. You heard about missions opportunities uh, that Christy is absolutely crazy over, excited for, for developing new mission opportunities within our church. Um, so we're excited for that. Uh, you got to hear Rob speak last week. He did a great job uh, as well. Um, really challenged me. I don't know if it challenged you, but I, I love it. You know, look, you could be on, right, the sixth lap on the seventh day but don't give up because your promise is near, right? And I love that one line that he said, okay? He said, you may be living in your promise, but you're still not free. Did that punch you in the face? I had a black eye for like three days, all right? Because we can be living in our promise, but yet we're still not free. Uh, and I started off with understanding what, uh, you know, the, the life of a disciple is and also, you know, the look of a disciple and then how they, there's this, this trans, this transfer, this change, this metamorphosis in their lives when they come to Christ, that they go from someone who is a disciple, who is a, what, a follower, right? Or someone who is a learner to someone that is an apostle, who is a, a messenger, someone who that carries something somewhere, a messenger who is then sent. So we understand, you know, really what it looks like to be free in Christ. We understand what it looks like to, to be free from our past. We understand what it looks like to be free to run. Uh, but today we're going to talk about something else. And this is the conclusion of our series and our conversation together on free. This understanding of free to live. Free to live. You're like, well, that's anticlimactic. You're like, exactly. Okay. Because uh, life is life. Is it not? Do you know what I'm saying by that? Every single day. It's like watching the Groundhog Day movie, right? Do you ever feel that way sometimes, right? You just hit the alarm, you get up, the same thing. It's called life, life, life. But the thing is, uh, life is meant to be lived. I was sitting with Jordan. There he is in the back over there, Jordan Goody, Kyle for director. Love that guy. We were talking about life. And, you know, we were just waxing prolific. I mean, deep stuff. I mean, theologians were coming by and philosophers, and they were just, like, taking notes. I was like, seriously, stop. I'll give you 30 minutes, you know, kind of thing. And they were all, it was Jordan. They were just, everything he was saying, they were writing it right down. But um, we were just talking about life, and, and life is meant to be lived, is it not? Think about it. Think about it. You know, I was uh, the, the other day reading headlines about kids missing, you know, from, from off the coast of Florida for a boating, no telling what's happening. And then I see another situation of, uh, of kids perishing, and I see this and that. And I'm so quick to complain about life. You ever notice that too about life? It seems like we're, we're never satisfied. You know, we're never super fulfilled. We're never happy. Are we really being free to live? Doesn't that make you think? Do you ever do you ever weigh life? You're like, don't go this deep this early, man. I need to eat at least a good burger or something. I need something with protein to be thinking about this stuff, right? But do you ever think that way? 
free to live. Free to live. It's so important for us to understand what it means to be free to live. As soon as my, uh, my notes wind up fast enough, we'll be good to go. I like what uh, Paul has to say in Galatians 5.16 when he speaks so clearly just how, in fact, we can achieve victory over these types of thoughts, over this, types of, of this type of life, over this type of mentality. And, and really, when we, we fall prey to thinking and acting and, and being that way, we find ourselves within a sinful nature, if you think about it. You're like, why are you going there too? That is human nature, is it not? We find ourselves steeped in human nature, steeped in a sense of, of not understanding everything from beginning to end, and we find ourselves not fully being free. Paul says in uh, Galatians 5.16, then the NIV reads like this, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And I think about this portion of Scripture here, um, and it just runs so deep in my life because I... When I'm thinking about being unhappy, when I'm thinking about not being fulfilled, when I think about that nothing's this or nothing's that, I'm really feeding the flesh there. Do you know what I'm saying? Because you want to do what you want to do. You want to feel the way you want to feel, and you want life to be what you want it to be. See, but Paul's you know, taking a different uh, a spin on things here, saying that, look, when you walk by the Spirit, you truly become Jordan and I were having that conversation, and you remember, uh, he does, where uh, we were all over the place. It just came to this place of understanding, of walking with him every single day in the Spirit, in the Spirit. Again, that's the best five-minute sermon ever. We can go ahead and leave, and we'll be fine, and you guys can make it first to Buffalo Wild Wings today. Um, and Now there's a revival, Okay. But I wish that we could just read one little portion of Scripture and just sum up what it looks like to be free. I wish that we could just conclude our thoughts with that and just go home and be fine. But that's not reality, is it? Life is so much more. Life is so much more broad. Over the passage, more deeper than that. You know, looking within myself over the past few weeks, um, I had a nice break with folks sharing and things like that. And uh, it was it was wonderful, a time of refreshing and thinking. But at the same time, you still find yourself coming back to the same place and the same thoughts and the same process of what does this life mean? How can I be refreshed? How can I not fulfill this this desire that I have to get away, to step away and do what I want? This happens when we learn to walk again. I have a friend um, from our old church who had a, a really, really, really nasty fall from a ladder, a really nasty fall. And this guy was in his 70s. And um, he, he was up there trying to cut a limb on a tree, all right? And uh, I, I just remember, you know, how, because I looked after the fact how he had it set up and everything. I'm just thinking, why in the world? And I remember he cut this limb and it took the ladder out from under him totally just took it out and he fell on his back and was laying there for like two hours, two hours with nobody around with a broken back. Well, we found out as we were in the hospital with him the very day there, went and rushed to the ER and all that kind of stuff, uh, that he had a real bad spinal fracture that ended up causing paralysis, right? And this guy, he actually used to live in Morgantown at one point, taller than me, 
This is a guy that I always looked up to. And all of a sudden, this guy, his, his, his body now had changed drastically and was laying in a bed. This guy was a farmer. This guy, you know, all kinds of things. The list would go on and on, all the things that he could do. And in one moment, I watched him laying in bed and succumb to all of this. And I watched something else, though, in that moment when it comes to, you know, really learning to walk. I watched Bill's face. I listened to his words. and He said, hey, I'm going to walk again. This guy in his 70s said that I am going to walk again. And I just didn't, I was like, how in the world is this going to happen? You can't even move your feet. You can't do this. You can't do that. He said in his heart that I am going to walk again. When we look at this portion of scripture, we see that we walk by the spirit. It's a new way of learning to walk again. Because what we do is we learned to walk on our own. Did we not? If you think about it, I remember that. Pastor Ted used to tell me to watch out when they get wills, it's never going to stop. Do you remember when your kids started walking for the first time? Christopher, you remember that? When your kids started? It was awesome, wasn't it? Um, he doesn't have any. Um, but I remember it was great when they used to just sit on the couch. And then they started to roll when they rolled off. That was fun. But, um, all right, Tim, you know what I'm talking about here, right? He lets them roll on purpose, okay? It's like, watch this. Like 14 steps, new record, okay? Um, but I remember when our kids started to walk, and that was something they did on their own. And it seems as though that's kind of a fad as as a way we live, isn't it? That we live and we do things on our own and we fulfill and we just build this sinful nature. When God is asking us and he's challenging us when it comes to being free to live, to learn, to walk again. I'm going to break this down for you just a little bit. I don't know if you've ever heard of um, uh, this guy uh, that's uh, a... an author that has authored you know, quite a few books and, and also some things that are devotionals and things like that. But his name is um, Rick Renner. Has anybody ever heard of Rick Renner? Good. So we're all on the same page here. All right. He looked at Galatians 5.16, and, and he broke this down when it comes to what it means to walk, what it means to walk in the Spirit. Um, this comes from Sparkling Gems is what it's called. It sounds like a real manly book, doesn't it? Sparkling Gems from the Greek. When Kara told me about it for the first time, I'm like, I'm good to go. Thank you. <laughs> is that a lady's devotional? I am not a lady. Please say amen. Okay. All right. <laughs> it's like this is going to take a while. Galatians 5.16 paints a new picture in the New Testament in the Greek and how these words are played out in our lives every single day. How would you like to take a stroll in the spirit today? That is really what it's about. Taking a continual, and think about it with me, a continual everyday walk with and through the spirit so that we can fulfill the will of God, not the lust of the flesh. How would you like to walk in the spirit every day of your life? Does this proposal sound like an impossibility or do you think that constantly walking in the spirit is a possibility you should try to achieve? To answer the question of whether or not it is possible to consistently walk in the Spirit, let's look at Paul's words again in Galatians 5, 16. This I say, then walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. This word walk in the Greek, peripateo, it appears in the New Testament 95 times and has very clear meaning. This word is a compound of two words, peri and pateo. The peri means uh, around and suggests the idea of something that is encircling. In many cases um, concerning, 
uh, but it, it's the case expresses the idea of encircling. The word pateo means to walk. So to walk around literally is what you can look at. I wish I had the song right now. Walk around. We, no. Okay, nobody got it with me. We'll get it later. All right, that'll be up on the podcast. But this idea of a consistent walk that we've had, you look at it as a path that you wear down. You look around here, students walk everywhere in Morgantown, do they not? Have you noticed that? And there are paths that go everywhere. You ever driven through the streets and you're just like, where in the world does that go? There's a building over here or a home over there. All the way down Van Voris Road, have you seen that? A completely beaten path. A parapeteo, a place that they always walked and always continue to walk. We get this picture in our lives of us having this, this consistent conversation, this consistent movement, this consistent walk with him. You think about it almost like if someone who uh, were blinded, this, this picture that you get there, that um, it's safe for them to stay in their home where they know where everything is at, where they, the walk is understood. For us and our, our Christian life, we want to stay in our own comfort and our own lane where we know what is predictable and what can happen. But when we think about it with uh, the lust of the flesh, and you'll hear about this, Paul goes on to say that if you walk in the Spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The word lust is from the Greek word epithumia. The second part of the word is Greek for thumos, which describes an urge, a longing, a craving, a passion, or something that is exciting, like chocolate cake. Can I get... Has anybody ever had Bambi's cake yet? If you haven't had it, you will soon. Jordan's had it his whole life. Um, but it's one of these things that every event that we come to, I have a craving. Anybody with me on this? What did Bambi make? Not what would Jesus do. What did Bambi make? Okay. Or when I go to my mother-in-law's, bless her heart, what did Joni make? But we look at this and we, we totally understand that. But there's also this lust of the flesh, this understanding that I want to do what I want to do. And I found myself, like we were talking with Jordan the other day, I was talking with him, that sometimes I just want to do what I want to do. Does that mean that I'm doing something that's bad? No. Does that mean that I'm, I'm doing something that is illegal? No. Do you understand where I'm coming from here? There is an epic battle for your life. There's an epic battle for your freedom. I don't think we realize that sometimes. I don't think we really really realize how important our lives are to God. That he wants your life and he wants you to be free. See, Paul totally understood this. He totally got this in this portion of scripture because these guys in, in Galatia were really under a lot of, of pressure because you get the Judaizers and the Jews and they're all upset with Paul at his teaching, but they're also upset because they're, these Gentiles that are coming to Christ should be fallen all up under the law completely that they should have these outward expressions, circumcision, that they have been grafted into the vine, that they are people, right, that are true believers. And Paul's like, look, the most important thing you can do, the greatest law is what? To love him with everything that's in you and love them as yourself. So they knew, you know, look, this is a big deal. It's not about me. It's about someone else. It's about learning to die to self, to be alive in him. And that's why Paul wrote this. You look in Ephesians as well, 2, 3. Paul states that before we came to Christ, we walked in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh 
Again, the same word, epithumia. Desires. Desires. Doesn't mean that everything is bad that you do, but is it exactly what God has for your life? Is it truly the life that he has for you? When we look more and further down in Galatians 5, we see verses 22 through 23. This Roman is to camp for a while today. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things, there is no such law. Galatians 5, 22 through 23. And we think about that for a moment. There's a whole list of vices that you can find in Scripture nonstop, right? Of all the things that we struggle with. All the things that we see in society today that are just polarizing, that are crazy struggles. But then we see the flip side of this, where we're supposed to focus our attention. Where we're supposed to completely give our lives over to this life that is filled with fruit. So take a second with me and listen in when I explain these for just a moment. When we look at love, it's an unselfish concern for one another, like a brotherly concern. It's a self-denying, self-sacrificing, Christ-like love, which is the foundation of all other grace. When we look at joy, we see this great delight, this gladness of heart, the happy state that results from knowing and serving God, that deep, abiding, inner rejoicing in the Lord. Happy is, is chance. Joy is of the Lord. When we think of this peace, this presence and experience of right relationships, the tranquility of soul, sense of well-being and fulfillment that comes from God and is dependent on His presence, the inner tranquility and poise of the Christian whose trust is in God through Christ. This forbearance or long-suffering, it's that patience why do I have to talk about that? Right? That patience, that endurance and steadfastness, forbearance under ill will with no thought of retaliation. This kindness, a quality or state of being kind, the steadfast love that maintains relationships through gracious aid in times of need, goodness of heart, good and gracious and pleasant. Love for mankind, hospitality, goodness and action, that's kindness. When you look at goodness, it's kindness and actual manifestation. Virtue equipped for action, a bountiful propensity both to will and to do what is good. This intrinsic goodness that's inside. Then we look at faithfulness, fidelity, which makes one true to his promise and faithful to his task. Steadfast, dedicated, dependable, and worthy of trust. Unchanging. Then we look at this gentleness, this this mildness combined with tenderness, this gracious, kind disposition. Are these things starting to ring a bell? Are these things that we are desiring? A character that is reasonable, forbearing, and moderate. Power and strength under control, also known as meekness. Willing to pardon injuries, correct faults. One who rules his spirit well. Or self-control. This temperance, this rational restraint of natural impulse, a sober, calm. I don't know what that looks like in my house sometimes. Calm. 
and dispassionate approach to life. Having mastered personal desires and passions. Man, this is big. What a list. And how important is it for us to live lives like that? Do you feel it every day, this battle? I know I do. I'm not exempt. It only takes one small thing for me to head to self versus him. Do you ever feel that way? It could just be one little thing. Knocks me off kilter. That's human nature. It's human nature to want to do what you want to do. Say what you want to say. Feel what you want to feel. Be who you want to be. But on the opposite of that, we have this fruit. This fruit. And I think about it with a life that truly has been changed. There's fruit. There's fruit. There's fruit on the tree to show that this is a life that has changed. Here's a few things that I want to share with you um, about what fruit is, looks like, plays out in our lives. And there's some truths that go with this that I want to share with you, some, some scripture that supports and some ideas. Some of these things may have been things that you read before, many on your own, times a lot. But it's something that I want to revisit this morning. First thing is this. The truth about fruit is this. It will only grow in good soil. It will only grow in good soil. And that's so key for us in our lives, to be in good soil. You ever been in circumstances, situations, places where you just feel like, oh, you know what I'm talking about? Maybe a job. It may be a church service this morning. Um, it may be, uh, you know what I'm saying? No telling, but you just feel like this place, something's not right. And you feel that there's, you know, something that's just really killing the growth opportunity. Bad soil. Bad soil. Matthew 13 comes out of 1 through 23. And this is actually a cool version from the, the message that I've enjoyed reading. At about the same time, Jesus left the house and sat on the beach. And no time all the crowd gathered along the shoreline, forcing him to get into a boat. Using the boat as a pulpit, he addressed his congregation telling stories. What do you make of this, he says? A farmer planted a seed. As he scattered the seed, some of it fell on the road, and the birds ate it. Some of it fell in the gravel. It sprouted quickly, but did not put down roots. So when the sun came up, it weathered, excuse me, withered just as quickly. Some fell on the weeds. As it came up, it was strangled by the weeds. Some fell on good earth and produced a harvest beyond his wildest dreams. Are you listening? Really listening? Why tell stories? The disciples came up and asked, why? Why are you telling stories? He replied, you've been given insight into God's kingdom. You know how it works. Not everybody has this gift, this insight. It hasn't been given to them. Whenever someone has a ready heart for this, the insights and the understandings flow freely. But if there is no readiness, any trace of receptivity soon disappears. That's why I tell stories to create a readiness, to nudge the people toward receptive insight. In their present state, they can stare till doomsday and not see it. Listen till they're blue in the face and not get it. I don't want Isaiah's forecast repeated all over again. About your ears are open, but you don't hear a thing. Your eyes are awake, but you don't see a thing. They stick their fingers in their ears so they won't have to listen. They screw their eyes shut so they won't have to look. So, so they won't have to deal with face-to-face -face and me heal them. But you have God-blessed eyes, eyes that see and ears that hear. 
a lot of people, prophets and humble believers among them, would have given anything to see what you are seeing, to hear what you are hearing, but never had the chance. What is the meaning of this story? When anyone hears news of the kingdom and doesn't take it in, it just remains on the surface, the soil. And so the evil one comes along and plucks it right out of that person's heart. This is the seed the farmer scatters on the road. The seed casts in the gravel. This is the person who hears and instantly responds with enthusiasm. But there is no soil of character. And so when the emotions wear off and some difficulties arise, arrive, there is nothing to show for it. The seed cast in the weeds is the person who hears the kingdom news, but weeds of worry and illusions about getting more and wanting everything under the sun strangle what was heard, and nothing comes out of it. The seed cast on good earth is the person who hears and takes in the news and then produces a harvest beyond his wildest dreams. Soil. So important. But it doesn't matter if I work there. Yeah, it does. It doesn't matter if I shop there. Yeah, maybe it does. Well, it doesn't matter if I I do this type of activity or that type of thing. Yeah, it does. You may not realize, but you're cultivating soil in your life. You're putting things in. You're taking things out that can be absolutely essential, essential to your growth and your life in him. Think about it. I remember growing up in church, totally, the whole time kind of thing. But when I was about 14, I was like, well, I think it's time to do my own thing. You know, I'd been called the ministry at the age of 12, right? Literally knew I was supposed to be a youth pastor when I was 12 years old. It was weird. And then 14 years old, mom and dad having problems. They split up. I split up. Do you know what I'm saying? Went with mom. Everything just started getting really, the soil began to shift. I remember it was kind of an incremental change in my life. Bit by bit, things were taken away, things were added. And all of a sudden, I found myself so distant and so far from God that I never thought I would see that place in my life. How do you go, right? How do you go from this mountaintop amazing experience at youth camp and church and all this stuff and all this great change to now being withered? And dead. My soil. My soil. We don't think about it a lot, do we? We don't really think about what every single thing matters to our walk, how that matters to our walk. We kind of forget that everything is important and that everything plays a role to our growth. The truth is, you can't be free to live unless your soil is good. Another truth about fruit, it will grow on the vine or the bush. Don't you just love fresh fruit, though? Seriously. Anybody? My kids are crazy about it. Growing up, I was just like, yeah, I want something sweet. I don't know, like peanut M&Ms. That's some good fruit. They put it in the bag. Lasts forever. (laughs) I I wasn't, you know, maybe cantaloupe or bananas, you know, because they were packed with sugar. I was good with that. Let, let them, you know, get a little more ripe. Anybody with me on that, right? A ripe banana is a good. Okay, never mind, friendship, divorce. So <laughs> there's nothing like fresh fruit, right? Fresh strawberries, now I love them. I can do watermelon. I, oh, 
Yeah, it's getting close to lunch. Um, <laughs> but as soon as that stuff separates from the vine, what begins to happen? Decay. Death. And we know the portion of Scripture, and we've heard the story many times, about being connected to the vine. I am the vine, the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already, excuse me, you are already clean because of the words I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. It says again, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you do remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And again, we've talked about this before. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. And this is really important for us to understand when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit. This key thing, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. That's so big. That's so big. That your joy may be, not that your happiness, right? Not that your excitement about a new shiny thing, right? Not that, you know, you're going on this trip or you're doing this thing or you've got this whatever or this, or this new this. or You see what I'm saying by that? But that your joy, your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Friends, love has no one in this to lay down one's life for his friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servant because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give it to you. This is my command, love each other. How will we have this type of love? Look, I am so fickle. I am so temperamental. If I remain in myself, I won't love anybody. Do you know what I'm saying here? I'll do what I want. I'll fulfill my desires. I'll make my pocket fatter. I'll make my yard nicer. You know what I'm saying by this? I'll make my truck faster. That's by faith. I'll, I'll do... <laughs> You got to stand on it. You see what I'm saying? If I remain in me, I'll always be in me. But if I remain in him, I'll always be in him, and I'll have an even better love for you. Isn't that key? We kind of forget that, don't we? That's not fun, is it? You know, it's not fun, you know, um, sometimes being a father you know what I'm saying here? Being a provider because you go without. It's not fun necessarily being a leader. You see what I'm saying here? I love my life. I'm not saying that. But what I mean is this. Life isn't necessarily fun all the time when you're here for other people and you realize that. But 
you're never alive until you realize that you're here for other people and you're here to share his love. How do you get it? Remaining in him. Remaining in him. Again, we love fresh fruit, but do you like two-week-old fruit? Uh-uh-uh. Right when you forget about it, it's underneath the bananas, and all of a sudden you're like, what is that on the countertop? Oh, forgot one. That must have been a peach. You know what I'm saying? We all love fresh fruit. We have to stay connected. The truth about fruit is this. It is proof of who Christ is in you. 2 Corinthians 5, 11 through 21. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade men. We were as, excuse me, we were, we, what we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, it is for the sake of God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way. We do so no longer. Therefore, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore his ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that he, excuse me, in him we might become the righteousness of God. We're here as living proof of what freedom looks like. If I go back to Culpepper right now, most people know that the change has taken place, (laughs) that I've become a pastor, that I'm not that same guy that used to visit all the field parties or head this party up or do this or do that. There's been a definitive change in my life. There's proof that I've been reconciled for a long time. There's proof that there's been a ministry of reconciliation that happened to me that I am then giving to others. We are not here for ourselves. Do you understand that? We're here to reconcile others to him, to share the proof. Remember I told you about the I was blind, but now I see my favorite story in Scripture. Because that moment there gave that person a story to share. Regardless of all the religious leaders and everything around, I was this and I am this now because of him who changed my life. Your story. Your story is proof. And the last thing that I want to share with you about the truth about fruit is the fruit in you produces fruit in others. Hebrews 10, 19 through 24. I love this. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, 
by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled cleanse, uh, to cleanse us from guilty conscience and having our bodies washed. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who has promises is faithful. And this is the, the climax. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Your fruit produces fruit in others. Right now, you can probably think of at least two people in your workplace that are broken. Two people in your school life that are broken. Maybe someone in your family that's broken. The fruit that God is producing in you will help spur them on in their faith to love and good deeds. You're like, you don't understand my situation. You're right, I probably don't because you're the one walking in it. You don't understand my situation, right? I've got family members that aren't serving God. I've got people that I'm praying for that I'm trying to just, you know, not be prideful, but proud of what God's doing to spur them on, to help them understand. And it may take time, but your fruit will be proof and it will tell. Your story will change their lives. How you live free will enable them to experience freedom as well. And what I'd like to do this morning is um, just take a moment as we close. Matt, if you wouldn't mind to come up uh, just to play something softly. Um, I just want us to kind of do an inventory. We did it at the beginning of service, but at the end, take a second and say, God, is there any, any place that, that I'm missing some of this fruit in my life? And what you'll probably find is there's something on the other side of that, some sort of vice, some sort of grip that the enemy has that you may need to just really just break free of so that you can experience true freedom this morning and freedom to live every single day, not just on Sunday, but Monday through Saturday and celebrating on Sunday. Who does not want to be free? A lot of you have experienced freedom in many different ways in the last few months here. I've heard stories. I've heard a lot of great things because what happened, you allowed him to come into your life and change your situation. The goal this morning, the goal to conclude this conversation is that you walk out of here and walk every single day free. Are you saying that I can go and sin no more? Well, if you stay as close to him as you can, you'll sin a lot less. We're not erasing sin here, okay? Or erasing, we're not gonna go there. We're not taking sin out. Look, we're in a world filled with sin, but we have an opportunity and we have a choice to be free every single day. But it's a choice. That's what I love about God is he's not a dictator. He doesn't make you love him, right? He doesn't knock down your door. He knocks at your door, but he doesn't knock down your door and run in. He's waiting for an invitation. The invitation makes the difference, and it's got to come from you. So if you want to be free, you have to welcome him in. You got to let him in once and for all. You got to be free from your past. You got to be free to run to your promise. You got to be free, you know what I'm saying, to carry this message as an apostle, a modern-day apostle. You got to continue to learn as a disciple. But you got to be free every single day of your life. There's nothing worse than waking up in bondage every single morning where his mercies, you feel like, have not been made new. You know what I'm saying? 
road you are, where you're in between, we all got to make choices to be more free. And it can only be found in Him. I've tried it through myself. I'm terrible at it. Right? Charisma can only get you so far. Stunningly good looks. I'm kidding. I told Kara I look like I'm a missionary this morning with this white shirt on. Right? No offense. Those that travel to mission fields. Seriously, though, Matt said, You look like you're from the Philippines. He's Philippine. He can say that. But I gotta choose freedom every day. Because this right here, this expanse right here, is a hot mess without him. Hot mess without him. Because it only takes a moment something to set a brother off. It only takes a second for something not to go right for faith to fail. Right? But when I'm in him, man, I experience the fruit of his spirit living in me. It is not every day that I conquer this, but I have to give myself every day to him. You can't do it. best place you can ever be in. If I can say anything, you need him. If you hear anything, is that it's okay that you can't do it. It's okay that you can't make it on your own. Welcome to life. He made it that way for a reason, so that you would count on him. But it's your choice. What do you choose? Do you choose to go in alone, or do you choose to give everything to him? choose to die in this thing or to live with him I'm going to choose to live with him I have to make the decision every single day as a human being I'm going to choose him even this morning I'm going to choose you you don't fall out of love with people I choose to love Kara every single day she makes it really easy but I choose to love her every day. You choose to love him every day. You choose to love him every day. So here's the deal. Some of you need to make that choice again. Maybe it's a re-up, you know, where you rededicate yourself. You know what that means? You say, all right, I've tried it. tried it on my own too long. I'm terrible at this thing. I am so not God. I can't try it again. Okay? Or maybe you've never given your heart, your life to him. And you've you've lived literally in bondage. You don't even realize it. There's so much joy that he has for you. There's so much peace and there's so much that he has for your life that you don't even realize you're missing it because you haven't given it over to him. Your life. It's your choice. That's the beauty of it. I did not know that day on July 19th, 2003 that things would be this good. But I trusted and we work at it every day. That's what a covenant relationship looks like with him. Same way. So take some time this morning with me. 
what I want you to do is just close your eyes. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you, do you need to re-up your faith? Do you need to rededicate your life? Do you need to say yes to him? the Holy Spirit convicting you and even showing you glimpses of what it will look like as you walk in the Spirit as you have this fruit. If you find yourself there this morning, I want you just to to simply look at me. Look at me. Okay? Okay? Fresh rededication. Fresh opportunity. You can close your eyes again. That's fine. your commitment in that moment. And he applauds you. He applauds you for allowing his mercies to be made new. But maybe you find yourself not even on the faith spectrum at this point, or maybe you're on the spectrum, but you've never really committed your life to him for the first time ever. And the Holy Spirit, despite everything else going on, has, has said, look, I want you to walk with me. I want you to experience the fruit that I have for your life. I want you to grow, and I want you to show folks your story, your life, your fruit that I have placed in you. You will not be perfect. Get over it. You will sin and fail, but if you stay in Him, the odds go a lot, lot lower as you continue. If you want to commit your life for the very first time, very first time, and you're committing to a life of walking this thing out with the folks that are around you because we love you and care for you, just simply look at me. Just look at me real quick. desperation for you and understanding God that they cannot live lives that are filled with fruit without you. That God in and of themselves life will be filled with decay and just chasing after sinful desires, the lusts of life. And they tread the same path over and over again. But God, you're giving them a new path this morning a new opportunity, a new walk, a higher calling, a higher walk. You're going to lead them every step of the way. So God, those that have rededicated themselves, that have re-upped their faith, that have chosen to believe again that you can and you will do anything in and through them, thank you, God. Thank you, God. that was nothing that I could influence or do, only your Holy Spirit. I thank you for that. And God, for those that have given their lives to you for the very first time, Lord, how amazing is it? I pray, God, that you would just flood their lives with your presence, that they would be overwhelmed, God, by your goodness and your passion and your mercy and your guidance. And Lord, give them proof 
that you are in them and the, and the fruit that they bear. Lord, give them joy for depression. everything that they need this morning that pertains to faith in you and to continuing in this way. God, I just thank you that you're doing a great thing. And I thank you that we are free.